These last months have been difficult for all of us and signs of returning back to normal are welcomed by all. Across our country, businesses are beginning to reopen and churches are finally reopening too. Very soon we will have Sunday Mass in every parish across Canada again. Closing our churches was hard on everyone. We are a sacramental people. We need to gather as church. We need our physical spaces of worship. That can never be replaced by an online Mass or by praying alone at home. As churches begin to reopen in so many dioceses, be assured that guidelines have been developed to ensure that every parish observes the necessary precautions to ensure the safety of everyone. Your pastor will let you know how things will be done in your parish. Much patience is needed at this time as the gradual opening up process unfolds. Things will be a little different, but for the most part, we will be able to go back to the sacraments, to Eucharistic adoration and personal devotions, just as we always did. Of course, if you're worried about your health or live with someone who is at risk, check your diocesan or parish website for additional information and what options might exist for you. And for those of you who can, please consider supporting your parish by answering the call for extra volunteers who are so greatly needed at this time. Welcome back to church. We missed you. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is the Salt and Light Hour. Hello and welcome to an all-new Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. I hope that all of you listening from Canada had a great Canada Day and that if you're in the United States, that you're having a wonderful 4th of July weekend. Today is our final show of the season. Um, it's been a great season. It's been a different season, I can tell you that, um, as we continue to work from home, um, hoping that the little that we're doing here is actually bringing you a little bit of, of hope, uh, giving you something to listen to, uh, something to spend your time uh, doing. Uh, maybe you're driving, and I, I hope that you're, if you're driving, it means that you're doing well and that things are reopening. Uh, you're listening to us on the Catholic Channel on Sirius XM 129. Maybe you're podcasting the show because the show is available on uh, anywhere you get your podcasts. But sit back, relax. It's going to be a, a great show today uh, to conclude the season. Um, I want to know how you guys are doing. Uh, a few of you have been writing in, uh, giving me uh, some thoughts of what you've been learning or what you've been going through th during this time. But I, I want to hear from more of you. Uh, share with me your thoughts, your COVID spring experience. Uh, how has it been? Uh, are churches opening where you are? Have you been going to mass? Uh, are there a lot of uh, cases? Have you been sick? Do you know anyone who's been sick? How do you feel about having to wear a mask? Tell us a little bit about how things are where you are. How has your COVID spring experience been? Write to me, pedro at saltandlighttv.org. You can also find me through Facebook or Twitter at Deacon Pedro GM. Um, and uh, yeah, tell me how this experience has been for you so we can feature your story on a special program that we're going to be doing in the fall, featuring your COVID stories your COVID spring stories. Give me lots of good spring stories, new life, new beginnings, new learnings, um, which this has certainly been a time for that. Today, uh, we will not have any news. We're going to go straight to Emily's segment, uh, this place. Emily has been uh, had been traveling through dioceses across the country, 
Uh, she has not been traveling very much in the last couple of months, but she has been doing interviews with people in a lot of the dioceses that she visited. And uh, she found something really interesting that's happening in the Diocese of Calgary. And so she's going to be telling us all about that. That's in her segment, This Place, coming up uh, just after our song here in about five minutes. And then Billy, Billy has another question about indulgences. I think this is the last one. Uh, indulgences are, are, are a difficult uh, topic. A lot of people have a lot of misunderstandings, a lot of confusion about indulgences, uh, but it is something that still exists and uh, something that is kind of be beautiful that we have access to uh, that, that shows how merciful God is. So the last two shows, last two weeks, we've been talking about indulgences. So you can go back and listen to those uh, episodes and uh, catch up on indulgences. And today we're going to be finishing uh, with a, an important question. How is it that the church has the authority to dispense indulgences? So that's going to be in about 10 or so minutes, 15 minutes, uh, Billy Chan, Church for Dummies. And then I'm sure that many of you have heard about Father Michael McGivney. He was the founder of the Knights of Columbus. And uh, Recently, news uh, came out that the cost for his beatification is moving forward. There's a, there was a miracle that was approved and attributed to his intercession. So in our second half hour, we're going to be speaking with Deputy Supreme Knight of the Knights of Columbus, uh, Mr. Patrick Kelly, who will be telling us everything we need to know about Michael McGivney, including details of that miracle that is being attributed to his intercession. So that's going to be in our second half hour in about 25 minutes. Uh, if you're not going to be around, remember that you can podcast the show anywhere you get your podcasts. Uh, or you can go to our website, saltandlighttv.org. Just look for podcasts and you can listen to the show there. Or you can download the show there. At the end of the program, we're going to be meeting with a singer-songwriter, Anna Nuzo. She, um, she has a deep devotion to Our Lady and uh, an unusual journey to becoming a songwriter. Uh, in the very few years that she's been writing music, she has produced tons of music. And uh, she attributes, attributes a lot of that to Mary, Our Lady. So she's going to be joining us at the end of the program and telling us all about that. So that's, with, uh, so that's Anna Nuzo at the end of the program. Uh, so let's start with a song. This is when you get to sit back, relax, and listen to some, uh, some good music. Here is Anna Nuzo with Jesus You Are from her album, Believe. full of love 
That was Anna Nuzo with Jesus You Are from her album, Believe. And we're going to be speaking with Anna Nuzo at the end of the program. And in about 10 minutes, Billy will be here with one last question about indulgences. Now it's time for This Place with Emily Callan. And Emily is very excited to be back. You haven't been on the show for like three months. It's been a very long time, Pedro. You you've forgot been... about me. <laughs> no, you've just been busy traveling around. We, we needed a pandemic to make you stop traveling and come back on the That's show. Right. <laughs> That's so, right. So, so it's kind of too bad because this place, the program that you produce, requires that you have mm -hmm. to travel and go to different dioceses. You haven't been doing that, but you have been, uh, you have been in touch with a lot of the people that you've met in these dioceses, and uh, you found something really neat that's happening in Calgary. That's right. So one of those, um, but we also made new friends. So yes. uh, one of these new friends uh, that we met is Father Nathan Saray. He's a pastor at Our Lady of the Rocky Shrine in Kenmore, Alberta. Okay. And 
this shrine is a new shrine, was just open this year. Beautiful, it's huge. It's, um, you know, it's, it's in a beautiful area of Alberta, right uh, surrounded by, um, by the mountains mm -hmm. in, in Canmore, Alberta. So in fact, from the inside of the church, you can see the Three, Sister, uh, Three Sisters Mountain, which is a famous, um, a famous uh, location in, in mm. Canmore, Alberta. Uh, so when we spoke to him, of course, this was back in uh, at the end of April. So before the church officially opened, before it was uh, dedicated. Um, so, uh, but we wanted to know, you know, what is it like? You're you're working so hard uh, towards opening this this beautiful shrine. You're hoping to receive pilgrims uh, soon, um, you know, and that that was obviously very difficult uh, to um, to have to to have to postpone that. The dedication was supposed to happen May first, so we we spoke to Father Nathan Saray just before um, just before the day. Um, what it what it was supposed to be, you know, on May first. Uh, so in in our interview, he talks about um, he talks about that having to postpone that and and um, and how are they how are they dealing with that? You know, we had kind of aimed at May first to be the day of dedication for about a year and a half now, and definitely those were the plans. But um, well, things haven't gone the way we hoped. But you know, it's allowed for this last month, I think, to be a time for our trades to spend those extra moments to do their work really well. Uh, I'm grateful we can have them on site. You know, so many people aren't able to work right now, so it's a blessing that construction can continue. And, you know, Our Lady uh, was somebody who often liked to fade into the background. And I mm -hmm. think in a sense, she's kind of pulled her shrine back for a bit. And when the moment is right for it to be opened for the church in the world, then mm -hmm. may God's will be done. And Pedro, of course, God's will was done on May 30th, 2020. The dedication mass took place um, finally, and it was presided by Bishop William McGratton, who is the uh, Bishop of the Diocese of Calgary. So, of course, they didn't have the number of people that they expected to have at, mm -hmm. uh, at this dedication mass, but it was live streamed. And, um, and if, you know, for our, for our listeners, they can go and rewatch that, uh, that dedication mass, which took place on May 30th, 2020. So Father Nathan, in our interview, he also shared with us what motivated, motivated this project because it, it wasn't that there wasn't a community of faith already in that part of, um, of Alberta. In fact, they had to close a previous church. So um, the Our, Lady, uh, Our Lady of the Rocky Shrine is the third building um, that this community of faith, uh, which dates back to the early 1800s, um, is seeing. So, um, so he talks about um, about what motivated this project and gives us a little bit of a history lesson on the faith community there. The Catholic history and roots of Canmore is actually very old. Um, way back in the 1840s, a Jesuit priest named Pierre de Schmidt uh, came into the Spray Lakes area. He baptized a few uh, individuals from the First Nations, uh, performed one funeral. And those are actually the first sacraments celebrated in what would one day become the Diocese of Calgary. So our roots are actually really old. And for a long time, the parish church in Canmore looked after the town of Canmore and nearby uh, areas. Mostly it was a mining town. But after the Winter Olympics in 1988, 
uh, slowly was becoming more of a tourist destination, being so close to Banff. Mm -hmm. And what we've seen within the life of our parish is we have our small local community, but weekend after weekend we get more and more and more visitors. Uh, now Father Nathan Sray also shared with us some of the unique features of the shrine. Just a couple, uh, but here, uh, here's what he said. So I think, if you will, if there was the main image of Our Lady of the Rockies will be uh, a custom-made stained glass window, which is going to go right behind the altar. Uh, the first ever depiction of Our Lady of the Rockies, if you will. So it's a, a completely unique work of art. Uh, it was just installed a few weeks ago. It's absolutely stunning. And uh, just the way the, the light hits it from uh, behind the mountains, I think that's going to inspire people a lot. Um, we also had the opportunity to purchase statuary and marble from some churches that had closed down in the United States. And we were able to take these treasures, many of them more than 150 years old, um, refurbish them, repurpose them, and give them new life. So I'm really happy that treasures that had kind of been lost uh, when those churches were closed can have brand new life and devotion. Uh, within our new church. So those are a few of the features of the building itself that I think are going to be especially inspiring for people to see. Of course, those are just a couple things uh, that are really special to Our Lady of the Rockies Shrine Church in Canmore, Alberta. But you can go to the shrine's website, so rockiesparish.com, to get the whole lowdown mm -hmm. on what this shrine is about, what has been the progress in the last you know, a few years. Um, you can even sign up for tours. So they have opened up the shrine for tours. Of course, there are protocols that need to be followed. Numbers are limited, but you can go online. You can register uh, at rockiesparish.com slash shrine tours. Wow, that's good to know. I actually, that's mm -hmm. one trip that I wanted to do with you because I, there's a Calgary, <laughs> that, that is such a beautiful place and the Rockies, really uh, Banff, all that area is so beautiful. Canmore mm -hmm. is a beautiful town. So maybe uh, one one day soon we can we can all get to go to visit the shrine. Um, yeah, I mean, for... it's great that Canada has that now, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, we have we have mm -hmm. Saint Anne de Beaupré in Quebec. We have uh, we have the Midland Shrine in yeah, Ontario. Shrine. I mean, those are just yeah. a couple of them. But in Canada, we really do. I think sometimes we forget that mm -hmm. we have these really beautiful locations for, yes. for for pilgrimages, and you know that we shouldn't forget yeah, about. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So there you go, Our Lady of the Rockies Shrine in Canmore. Uh, Alberta. Thank you, Emily. Uh, have a good You're summer welcome, and we'll Thank see you. you in the fall. Thank you. You too. Yeah. yeah. Emily Callan, the producer of This Place. You can watch the full program at saltandlighttv.org slash this place and you can follow her adventures on Twitter at Emmy Callan and Instagram at emily.callan. Coming up is Church for Dummies, so stay tuned. Hi, I'm Greg Walton, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. I'm Deacon Pedro. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, so it's easy to find me, but you can still reach me the good old-fashioned way via email, pedro at saltandlighttv.org. Now, it's time for... Church for Dummies! With Billy Chan. Billy... Hello, Pedro. How are you? Hello. I'm good. You're joining us from Montreal. This, yes, this, yeah, exactly. Yes, this yes. Good. Montreal. You're all over the place. Good. Working from home. Yeah. Um, uh, you want to 
you have more questions you know, about indulgences. Obviously, yes. You know, after this field episodes about indulgence, my friends、mm-hmm. and my fans, they they all really like you know how we we make it so simple to understand. You know, but the, the, the thing is, and one of the question they 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 a lot of them asking me about why the church. Uh, have the authority to to make this kind of decision? Like you know, this is not the earth, earthy thing, right? It's all about the heaven, and it's all about、uh, the the souls in purgatory. So, who give them or give us the authority to do that? Yeah, yeah. No, that's a very, very good question. And in fact, if you look at the what, if you look up indulgences in the catechism, it actually says that you know the church. It, it it might seem, it might seem that the church randomly decides what we need to do in order to gain the indulgence, okay.、Um, and I think it's important to remember that we've been redeemed by Jesus Christ, okay. So Jesus' sacrifice on the cross is enough for redemption, okay.、Um, and our sins are forgiven in the sacrament of reconciliation. But if you look at what the Catechism says, it says that an indulgence is obtained through the church. Who, by virtue of the power of binding and losing, granted granted her by Jesus Christ. Remember, Jesus told Peter that whatever you bind, sorry, he told the disciples whatever you bind on earth, yes, will be bound, and whatever you lose. So, so the authority has been given to the church by Jesus Christ. So the church intervenes in favor of individual Christians and opens for them the treasury. Remember that word because we're going to get back、yes. to it. The treasury of the merits of Christ and the saints. To obtain from the Father of Mercies the remission of temporal punishments due to his sins, so the church is not just helping us、uh, remit our our the punishment, but it's also encouraging us or spurring us, says the Catechism, to do works of devotion, of penance, and charity. So that's also part of what we're doing. Yeah. Okay. So that let's make it a little bit more clear.、Um, so Jesus、yes. talked to、uh, Peter. Who is、yes. the first pope, and uh, uh, of of the Catholic Church? So that's why the Church has the authority through、exactly. the first pope.、Exactly. Is it right? The Church has been given the authority, exactly,、um, through Christ. Um, um, so the Church applies this 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 power. We can say、mm-hmm. as minister. The Church is the minister of the fruits、yeah. of Christ's redemption.、Mm-hmm. So the Church applies this power. Um, in granting indulgences,、um, so、and I like I be- said,、mm-hmm. sorry, go, I was going to say, and like I said, it's not just so that we can satisfy the temporal punishment, but also to help us perform works of piety, penance, and charity. So he is very because that's going to help us grow in our faith. Yeah, it's very similar to、uh, confession as well, right? Because Jesus also said, "Whoever you yes you 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 forgive,、yes. then I will forgive." Right? That's so, exactly it. Yeah, yes, through the apostles, right, or the disciples. Yeah, yeah. When exactly disciples. So yeah, everything is written in the Bible. Yeah, everything is rooted in the Bible for sure.、Um, so so it's true that the church has decided. Yeah. I was going to say randomly, but I guess it's not totally random. But the church has decided that there are some things that we need to do in order to gain the indulgence. Like you have to go to confession, or you have to go to mass, or receive the Eucharist. You have to say this prayer or that prayer, or you have to participate in that devotion. But the whole point there is that we're doing things that will help us turn away from the things of the world, turn away from sin, and turn towards God. So it's always going to be something that's going to help us get closer to God. So、okay. even though even though we say that we're doing Something to gain or obtain the indulgence, you're you're doing them 
but you're also doing them to help heal that relationship with the church and with God. Okay, so let's go to go back to the vocabulary that you, you just mentioned about treasury. Yes. So the treasury of the church, what is that? Treasury, yes. So the treasury of the church. So again, remember, um, the sacrifice of Christ on the cross is all we need for our redemption. Okay? We have all already been redeemed. Okay. But it's almost, and this is not exactly correct because there's no perfect analogy but it's almost as if all the sufferings of christ all everything that christ did his suffering through which we're redeemed are all stored in in a vault somewhere that we call the treasury and then that we the church can dispense them as needed to satisfy our temporal punishment and so in fact limited? and in fact all the all our sufferings and offerings our prayers and good works and those of mary and all the saints all those also part form part of that treasury so every time billy does something good or or spends time in a devotion or something that gets you closer to christ that's almost like creating creating uh like putting money in the bank yeah. um and then that treasury, the church can be, so that's the church can, has the authority to dispense that, that treasury. Wow. Okay. So, okay. That is, um, that is tough to understand because yes. I thought God's mercy is unlimited. Now, when you talk about fault, that basically means, is it, is it limited or is well, it? Well, yeah, no, that's a very good question because in fact, the catechism, the, it's, do you have the catechism in front of you? Because the catechism actually says the treasury of the church is the infinite value. Oh, okay. Which can never be exhausted, which Christ merits, which Christ's merits have before God. So they've been offered, um, and the church can just keep going back in there. And, and that's, that's amazing to that. That's amazing to know because that basically means everything that we do about love, about all the all the good work. Yes. They won't be wasted. You know, no, everything exactly. will be in the vault. And uh, we, as Catholic, we can all take it, you know, as, 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 as a good thing, right? Yes, yeah, exactly. As a, as, exactly. Yeah, pay in off. fact, there's a, there's a beautiful belief or, or tradition that says that Mary, the mother of God, Mary is the mediatrix. She, she mediates graces and that, that you can, let's say you, you do the rosary. You know, a lot of times you might say, I'm going to pray the rosary for my parents or for such a person that's six. But sometimes you don't know who to pray for. So you can say, I'm going to offer this so that Mary can offer this grace to whoever needs it. So that's kind of the same idea. Um, um, I think a lot of times we just do it without knowing that we're doing something, but it's still being stored somewhere and being joined with the suffering and offerings of everyone else and all the saints. And I, and you know, I, the most beautiful thing when I hear about that is about the communion. So we all yes. get together, everyone get together and, and, and we can basically share it together. That's one body. Is it? Yeah. I, I think, I think you're, you're absolutely right. It's, it's a beautiful, you know, like it's not just about paying for punishment. Yeah. Um, but it's also, uh, how about we we can earn these satisfactions through Christ and the communion of saints? So we're all uh, in part of this communion, helping each other um, get to heaven. Basically, thank you for giving us such a good picture. You know, the picture is amazing when you talk about that. You know, the communion together. You know, yeah, yeah. amazing. No, you're right, and I think that if people listen to all three segments we did on the indulgences, maybe it you know it'll help them kind of get the full picture. And again, um, there's an excellent blog post that I wrote, deconstructing indulgences, on on our website saltandlighttv.org. 
if you wanted to have it written down and see we'll put a link to that on uh, on our page uh, our, nice. with the show Billy have a great summer um, thank you Pedro um, and we'll uh, we'll see you in the fall take care Billy Chan is the webmaster behind saltandlighttv.org you can follow him at the Joe Chan Coming up in our second half hour, Father Michael McGivney's Beatification, and we meet singer-songwriter Anna Nuzzo, so don't go anywhere. Hello, and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. On May 27th, the Vatican announced the advancement of the causes of canonization of 12 men and women. One of these had to do with the approval of a miracle attributed to the intercession of uh, the Venerable Michael McGivney, founder of the Knights of Columbus. McGivney, who, along with Blessed Stanley Ruther, uh, who was beatified in 2017, joins the ranks of Americans on the road to sainthood. When Father McGivney is beatified, he will become the fourth American-born male to be declared blessed. So, who was Father Michael McGivney, and why is he important to the church today, more than a hundred years after his death. To learn more about him, last week I spoke with the Deputy Supreme Knight of the Knights of Columbus, Mr. Patrick Kelly. Patrick, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Yes, uh, thank you, Deacon. It's great to be with you this afternoon. Yes, it's good to, to talk to you again. Um, so for people who have no idea, who was Father Michael McGivney? Um, yeah, good question. So Father, Father McGivney was a parish priest in Connecticut in the 1880s. And uh, he, saw, he saw the community that he was in, he saw a tremendous need. And uh, he, he served the immigrant community at the time, right? It was, it was mostly Irish immigrants. They were very poor. Uh, they, they had a lot of struggles and a lot of stresses. And the families were under, under a great deal of stress. So there was religious bigotry in society, in, in the New England society at the time. Uh, the Irish were looked down upon, and they couldn't get the jobs that others, that others were. There, there were economic opportunities they didn't have. Mm-hmm. Father McGivney came along, and he, he saw this problem, and, and he saw that men were being pulled out of the Catholic faith and were being, were being pulled into what was popular at the time were these fraternal organizations and secret societies. Right. And, and, and often, uh, so, so there, was, there was an economic aspect to it as well. But in addition, uh, these men were working in factories and when they were killed in these factories, and there, was no, there were very few standards at the time, uh-huh. they would be killed. And then, the, so the breadwinner was, would die and the family would be dispersed, right? So the, the children would become, would be, be dispersed to other relatives or would become wards of the state. And he saw that it was a tremendous, a, a tremendous stress on these families. Mm-hmm. So what Father McGivney did was started a group called the Knights of Columbus. And, and the purpose of the group was to bring Catholic men together in unity and in charity to help one another and to help their families. Right. So that's what he did. He, he, he formed the Knights of Columbus so men would be unified in their Catholic faith, 
that their faith would be strengthened, but also that their families would be provided for in the event of an untimely death of the, of the breadwinner. Right. And, and it's true that he, he barely even lived, lived to see the results because he died, what, was he 38 or so when he died? Yeah, he was, he, he was 38 years old. And uh, you know, interestingly, he died of a, of a pandemic, right? So at, at, mm-hmm. at the time, it was the, it was the Russian flu and he contracted right. pneumonia as a result of the pandemic and, uh, and died. Uh, and, and he died at 38, but he had a very, very full life and he has, he has quite a legacy. Yeah, and and I guess I mean uh, people, uh, most people are familiar with the work of the Knights of Columbus, and I think that that's a, a, that's that's enough of a legacy. Um, but but when 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 people are declared venerable like he was a few years ago, it's more than just you know he founded an organization that's that that does good work. You know, there, there's a heroic. Uh, lifestyle there. Are there other things that you can point out uh, about Father McGivney's life that, that would be that legacy that? Yeah. Yes. So, so, you know, he, so, so being declared a a venerable basically, and and you're right, it, it, it's a, it's a recognition that you've lived a life of heroic virtue. Mm -hmm. Um, But interestingly, I I think that there there were things, I mean, he, he was selfless in his dedication to his parishioners, yeah. uh, there's a there's a there's a famous story where there was a young uh, a young Catholic man who was on death row. This man had killed a he had killed a, a policeman in a struggle, and so uh-huh. this young Catholic was on death row. And uh, Father McGivney visited him in prison every day, wow. uh, and then you know leading up through the trial, and and there was really quite a conversion in this young man's life, and so he. He went to the gallows, really a converted, a converted man, and he he credited Father McGivney wow. with that yeah. with that conversion. But but and, and that's a you know that's a that's a, 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 a an exceptional story. But all the all the accounts of Father McGivney where he just he ministered to the families and to the people of his time, and he mm-hmm. really saw he really saw a need. He saw families struggling, mm-hmm. and you know. We, we often call a Father McGivney the, an apostle of Christian family life. And so he saw right. the need for families and he addressed that need. Yeah, yeah. And that's, I think, the work that the Knights of Columbus continue doing today, too, as apostles of the family. Um, for people who are familiar with, with I guess, the process of, of canonization, of beatification, we know that, that a miracle is required. So that's what has moved this cause forward. There was a miracle that was approved. Are there any details of this miracle that you can give us? Yeah, so so it's it's a it's a it's a really fascinating story, and, and I would say this: it's a it's a very Knights of Columbus story in the uh-huh. sense that this had to do with a, a couple that had a that had um, a large family, and in twenty in twenty fifteen, the mother found out she was pregnant, but right. through through, uh, through ultrasound, her her child in utero had been diagnosed with fetal hydrops which is a condition where, where the organs fill with fluid. Mm-hmm. And in this particular case, the doctor said it was fatal. This baby would not live, and they recommended an abortion uh, uh, for, for, this, for the, the mother. Yeah. Uh-huh. The, the, they refused. They said, no, we, we're not going to do that. 
we are going to pray and we're going to pray to Father McGivney. So, so the husband, he activated his Knights of Columbus network and his friends and asking them to pray to Father McGivney for the, for the life of this child, as did the, as did the mother. She activated her homeschool network and, and her, her mom's groups. And so they prayed to Father McGivney uh, for this child. And then weeks later, they had, uh, they had another uh, checkup and, and the, the fetal hydrops were gone. And, and the, the attending physicians couldn't believe it. They said they, they had never seen a case Amazing. where fetal wow. hydrops that was so severe that would lead to death was just, was just resolved. Wow. And so, wow. so yeah, so it's, 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 yeah. Quite, it's, it's quite amazing. And then in the, in the process of researching this, you know, in the process of, 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 of beatification, you have medical experts that, that look at the facts and look at the testimony. And then you have theological yep. experts mm-hmm. that look at the facts and the testimony. And, and both, both of these group of experts concluded that, that, this was, that this was not a natural cause, that this, right. this was indeed a miracle that led to the... That's, to the yeah, yeah. That's, that's fascinating. And you're right in saying that it's a very Knights of Columbus kind of story. There's Father McGivney still 100 years after his death, still being an apostle for the family. That's, yeah. that's wonderful. Um, so are there any details, a date for the beatification, or do we know what happens now, or are we still well, waiting? Yeah, so what happens now is, is uh, the beatification will occur in Connecticut in, in, the, in the Archdiocese of Hartford. Mm-hmm. We're, still, we're still working on the dates. The date hasn't been settled yet, but we're expecting it to be, to be this fall, or at, at the latest it would be, at the latest it would be um, in, in early winter of next year. Okay, and I'm sure that that'll be announced and, and everybody's going to find out. Uh, this is very exciting. Um, uh, Patrick, thank you for, for telling us about it. I, 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 uh, I'm sure it's going to be, it's a good news story and it's a story that I think a lot of people need to hear, especially the story about the miracle. That's, that's such a wonderful, wonderful, inspiring story. So thank you yeah. for sharing us and telling us about it today. Yeah, thank you. It was, it was great to be with you. That was a conversation I had with Patrick Kelly, Deputy Supreme Knight of the Knights of Columbus, last week. To learn more about the cause of Father Michael McGivney, go to fathermcgivney.org. And to learn more about the Knights of Columbus, visit them at kofc.org. Here now is our featured Artist of the Week, Anna Nuzzo, with Marian Consecration from her album, Be Love.
That was Anna Nuzzo with Marian Consecration from her album, Be Love. A few months ago, I heard about a singer called Anna Nuzzo. Not a week later, I opened the Catholic Digest and there she was. There was an article about this Catholic musician named Anna Nuzzo. Needless to say, I went onto her website to find out more. And what I found was a beautiful story of how God calls you and gives you what you need to fulfill his purpose for you. Anna has a deep devotion to Our Lady and credits the wide appeal of her music to her Marian consecration. Over the last eight years, since she wrote her first song, Anna has released five albums and she is now working on her sixth to be released in September. And to tell us more, I'm now joined by Anna Nuzo, who is uh, on the road driving somewhere. Anna, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. (laughs) Hi, Deacon Pedro. It's such a blessing to be with you today. It's so good that you're able, I I love technology that you're able to connect uh, while you're on the road. Um, And it's great that you can be on the road because so many people are still, you know, quarantining in in, in various places. Yes. Um, I always like to start by asking people what growing up was like. Um, I imagine, I mean, did you grow up in a big Catholic family, musical family? I I grew up in a Catholic family, um, not too big and not 
very musical, actually. Oh, um, really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was just myself that was into the music and my father. But I okay. have, um, there's four siblings. There's four of us. Okay. So. And did you, when did you start uh, with the music? Did you, was it something you wanted to do? Yes. Um, in Catholic grade school, I went to St. Mary's. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, I, I just enjoyed singing at masses and the music teacher sort of pulled me aside, noticed some talent and just thought, let's get a okay. little group together. So she okay. put me together with some other girls and I started singing and then I wanted to teach myself how to play piano. So I asked my dad to buy a piano oh, and wow. he, he went to a garage sale and he bought me this upright piano that I loved and put in my room. And I just started by ear beginning to play songs that I liked. Uh, figuring them out on the piano Wonderful. and singing like that. Mm -hmm. But you weren't, but you weren't writing your own songs at that point. No, no, not until when, my Marian consecration. Yeah, tell us about that. Yes. So what, what what happened? What happened that made you start writing music? Well, I um, had always been singing for mass throughout the years, and then in high school started singing for weddings and funerals. And then was in a little band, you know, a praise and worship band at my church. Um, mm -hmm. Very happy to sing current uh, praise and worship music as well as the beautiful hymns of, of our tradition. And uh, just what happened was when I came home from my first day of my Marian consecration class, I was drawn to my piano and uh, was drawn to, in my in my heart, I felt called to write a song based on the Marian consecration prayer I had just learned. Okay. So I sat at my piano, I prayed for the Blessed Mother's intercession, and I had the words of the prayer in front of me, and the music just flowed forth very quickly. And within, I think it was a half an hour, the whole song was done. And I was right. left at my piano, crying tears of joy and thankfulness. I can imagine. It was unbelievable. So just to be clear, so the song that we just heard, Marian Consecration, that was the song. That was the song. That's the first That's song. That's the I, first song you ever wrote. I ever um, wrote, yes. Can I, can I, just, can yes. I ask you to back up a little bit? Because we kind of glossed over the Marian Consecration. What, what made you want to do a Marian Consecration? So my church, uh, St. Anne's in Pleasant Prairie, Wisconsin, they were one of the first churches that... Um, wanted to do Father Michael Gately's 33 right. Days to Morning Glory book site. Right. That had just come out. Mm -hmm. And so we have a strong women's group and they uh, wanted to offer it. And my friend personally invited me and I accepted and felt like, I, keep, this, I, I see. Yeah, that's what happened. Personal invitation. That's, you know, that's, in that's usually how it happens. You know, we forget, but it, we need to be invited and we need to invite others. Um, so, so that's how you wrote the first song. I mean, that was eight years ago and you've yes. written a ton, kajillion other songs. So is it always the same kind of process? You feel that you're, <laughs> that the, our lady kind of grabs you by the ear and makes you sit at the piano or, or how does how does that work for you? So, so no, it's not. It's, it's very different. Sometimes um, I will just not even be at the piano and I'll be out on mission or, or at church or somewhere else. And I'll mm -hmm. have um, in my, you know, in my heart, I'll just have like lyrics that come to my mind and right. I'll jot them down or I'll mm -hmm. have a melody that'll come to me. Um, but I do write, I do feel called to write many prayer songs. So turning certain prayers into yes. song. 
has been a big part of my ministry. Uh-huh. Yes. And obviously you have a deep devotion to Our Lady. I mean, I was going to say you, you went to St. Mary's as a, as a, you know, as a public, yes. uh, sorry, Catholic school. So clearly right from the beginning, Our Lady was calling you. Um, the, your next album is also dedicated to Mary, Virgin Mother Queen, Encountering yes. Mary's Apparitions in Song. Tell us about that album. I'm so excited about this album. So this is my first full Marian album that I mm-hmm. felt called to write. And I reached out to my friend, Michael O'Neill, who's the miracle hunter. Uh-huh. Um, he's yes. the leading expert on apparitions. And I said, it's been on my heart to do an album on Marian apparitions, the songs that belong to these apparition sites. Do you know anything about that? So he was mm-hmm. excited. He helped me research it a little. And to my surprise, there are some uh, popular songs that do belong to some apparition sites, but many do not have any. And I thought here I was going to just record all of these songs that were already established and popular in the world. And Mm -hmm. it turns out that there aren't very many. Um, I found Our Lady of Knock. I found um, Our Lady of Guadalupe. I found, you know, a few, the Ballad of La Salette, but there are many sites that do not have songs so then at that point i i sort of shifted gears and turned back into composer mode and have turned the traditional apparition site prayers into song Mm -hmm. so now it's been such an overwhelming journey because i've discovered these beautiful prayers to our lady of hope our lady um our lady of barang our lady of um but no, so many sites yes. that I never even heard of. Right. I've, I've becoming just very devoted to, and these prayers are so pertinent for today. Deacon Pedro, you would not understand. You would not believe it. I, I, I yeah, I, I do believe it, but you're right. I mean, there's so many wonderful stories that people don't even have a clue. What, what would you tell that person that's skeptical about these apparitions? Like why would God allow Mary or why would Mary appear to us? What do you tell them? I I would tell them, uh, well, of these, these are the apparitions that were approved by the church. First of all, Mm -hmm. I'm only doing approved apparitions, but the messages, the messages are so um, similar throughout all of her apparitions. Pray more, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, I'm bringing you to my son, Jesus. You know, it's not about her. It's about her son. It's about the Lord. Mm -hmm. Um, And to give us hope, a lot of her messages are to give us hope. And that's exactly what we need today during this pandemic and everything that's happening in the world. They're just, they're relevant. They're relevant from the 1800s to the 1900s to today. Yeah. And it's, blow, it's blown my mind and really opened my eyes. Yeah. Well, Anna, I'm actually looking very much looking forward to this new album because um, it's been in my heart for a while to, to, uh, you know, spend a little more time with Mary and, and, and try to, uh, listen to her a little better as to how we can get closer to her son. Cause that's all Mary's about. Um, and, yes. and, and going to these sites, these places and reading the messages is, is certainly a good place to start. And I love the idea that we can do it in, in song. So I hope that you'll, I'll be one of the first people to hear some of these <laughs> music. And so we can get you back on the show. I hope so too. And, and just so you know, just over your border, we do have the only U.S. approved Marian apparition site in Wisconsin. It's Our Lady of Good Help. Um, right. And, and I wrote a song to that. It's called Pray for Us. Um, 
and it's very close to to your border. So hopefully, yeah. maybe we can do something together. Maybe we'll we can, and we also have mm-hmm. the the apparitions of Our Lady of the Cape in Quebec. So there's yes. a sign there, absolutely. So there you go, lots I've, of opportunities. I've been wanting to go there. Yes, lots yeah, of opportunities. Should. It's a beautiful, beautiful shrine. Um, Anna, we have to stay in touch. It's been so great talking to you. I know you're you're on the way on a fun adventure with uh, friends <laughs> and, and family. So I'll let you go. But it's been really good uh, chatting with you, and I hope that we can do so again soon. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. God Thank bless you too. You can learn all about Anna Nuzo. Um, uh, learn about her music and all kinds of other stuff, pilgrimages and, and lots of neat things that are at her website, ananuzo.com. And it's Nuzo, N-U-Z-Z. So it's, that's Canadian spelling, N-U-Z-Z-O, N-U-Z-Z-O.com. I'm going to put that link on our site so you can find it easily. Here now is Anna Nuzo with Promise of Tomorrow from her album, Believe. Woke up this morning feeling frightened and frail. Not knowing how, how to prevail Praying for forgiveness Fighting back resistance Regretting all the years, the tears, the fears I lost my way And forever it stays with Promise of Tomorrow from her album Believe and that will take us to the end of the program remember that if you tuned in late you can stream or podcast all our Salt and Light Hour programs for free at saltandlighttv.org that's also where you can learn all about our featured artists and guests and remember that you can subscribe to the Salt and Light Hour podcast on iTunes or Google Play and uh, also on Spotify and this is the last episode of our season Tune in over the summer to hear our best of editions featuring all the great interviews that we did over the last month. So if you missed any of them, you can listen to all of them over the summer months. Our program is produced by Salt and Light Media. Our contributors are Jillian Cantor, Mark Matthews, Sister Marie Paul Curley, Emily Callan, and Billy Chan. Our technical director is Javier Capella, and I'm your host, Deacon Pedro. If you want to reach me, you can email me, pedro at saltandlighttv.org. 
but I'm also on social media at Deacon Pedro. You can find me and tell me your COVID spring experiences so we can feature your story on our show. Remember, email me, pedro at saltandlighttv.org. I hope and pray that you're all well and staying safe and that you have a wonderful, 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 blessed summer. Thank you for listening. It's great spending time with you every weekend. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this has been the Salt and Light Hour.